Hey guys, this is Suresh Samandam, founder and CEO of Kissflow. I'm also one of the founders of SaaS Boomi. So as you know, we already had the first season of SaaS Boomi, a super duper success. Now we are into the second season of SaaS Boomi podcast. In the second season, I dive deep into the stories of some of the most impactful startups. As a fellow entrepreneur myself, what I've done is I've attempted to bring perspective of a founder in my conversations with some of the India's biggest SaaS leaders. Truth to the spirit of SaaS Boomi's for founders and by founders motto, I hope the listeners go home with actionable takeaways in every single episode. So, without further ado, let's get started. Welcome, Bhaskar. And the first two, three minutes, it'll be a good time for you to introduce yourself, your company, what it does, customers, and so on, so that this is like a great opportunity to get that going. Yeah. Great. My name is Bhaskar. I'm co-founder and CEO of Amagi Media Labs. We are a media technology SaaS company. We are like a vertical SaaS, focusing fundamentally working with content creators, owners, live sports syndicates, news channels, and news content creators worldwide, enabling them a tech platform which will allow them to take their premium content to hundreds or if not thousands of distribution platforms worldwide. Wherever consumers are consuming content, we enable these content creators to get their content to those locations, wherever the distribution points are, and be able to monetize the content through advertising today, but also subscription in the future. That's the core of what we do. So when you say content creator, what is an example of a content creator? Okay. For example, it could, again, we work with premium content only. So this is like a large TV channel. For example, NBC is a customer of our market. Okay. NBC Comcast, for example, all the, the NBC sports, for example, we ran Olympics for NBC. So that's sort of the premium content I'm talking about. For example, we do Lali games and sports, live games for me in sports in the US, for example. Okay. So these are highly premium content. These are like what I would call TV content, just without any the naming the whole thing, TV content. Today, what we're seeing is a broad basing of content. It's not only just TV channels. A lot of companies which have grown on YouTube because they've kind of built very good content and they're all surfacing to become the next media brands across the globe. So what they're also our a, What would be an example of a YouTube company that made that transformation? Yeah, multiple companies. And I'll talk about one example called Tastemade. Tastemade and TYT. I'll talk about two pretty interesting examples. Tastemade is actually a lifestyle and food brand predominantly built on Facebook and YouTube. That's where they really spent their time and actually built it. And then about four years back, they decided that they want to become themselves a TV network because outside of YouTube, there's a lot more opportunities. So they wanted to create a complete ad-supported streaming television model that they built. Today, we do over 30 channels for them across the globe. Tens of millions of impressions per day that they're getting. Who views those? How does the audience view those? So two things, Suresh. How it's happening is today, if you look at it from a TV consumption standpoint, all of us have moved to a streaming TV model, or at least a lot of the US that we've seen it and the European and where it's happening. Amagi is solving two problems, Suresh, that that's happening. First thing that happened in all our lives is that streaming TV came in and we started changing our behaviors. As consumers start changing behaviors, the whole content factory at the back end started changing as well because we need to start individually streaming to each one of us depending on what we want to consume. Either we are consuming it through subscription models like Netflix and Amazon Prime and others or free models like YouTube today, for example, or Hotstar to some extent and what we do today in India. What's happening in the US is slightly ahead from a market standpoint and how they are perceiving it. Today, there are a lot more IP-connected platforms in the US. For example, we have all been looked at Hulu, for example, as a good example. Sling TV, which is more of a subscription-driven model that's happening. 
On top of it, there is a new phenomena that happens, Suresh, interestingly, is what we call free ad-supported streaming TV. It's called FAST, free ad-supported streaming television. What was interesting is people like Roku, like Samsung, and even including YouTube, for example, all of them started seeing that people are consuming it in a linear fashion. So they created a multitude of hundreds of channels through which people want to consume it, primarily on connected TV, Suresh. The idea is not about mobile devices, unlike India or in a laptop, but on connected televisions. So televisions getting Wi-Fi or internet connected is a big phenomenon that changed the whole landscape from a content consumption standpoint. So that is driving a lot of growth across the globe. What we're seeing is that's a more lean back experience. Unlike anything else that we do on a computer, we are searching, doing things. In a television screen, people went back to a remote-like experience where they want to just trigger click buttons and actually do it. Yes, they are watching on demand. I, I actually like Fire TV stick better than anything else. Because <laughs> that I just connected to my TV to get back the old TV experience with the remote, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that is what is now becoming very popular in the US. In fact, this is the highest growth area. Obviously, sports and news are live, so it's really impactful. All others, people want to serendipitously discover content. Nobody wants to be every time. See, obviously, we want to watch Narcos. We want to go there, click a search for it and do it. But if you're just killing time, you don't want to be always trying to figure out what to watch. But kind of trigger a button, just whatever comes up, I want to actually watch and go through that TV-like experience. So that has been a phenomenon that's happening in the... One of the things I assumed was the OTT, what it gives me is the power of not seeing an ad. <laughs> right, yeah. you know, I can actually pay for the money and be done with it. In fact, YouTube, YouTube also, I am on a premium version. Not to see the ads. Absolutely. So, what is this OTT free ad supported streaming like? Isn't it? No. Like- counter to the hypothesis of why OTT itself came in the first place. Two aspects, Suresh. Again, if you look at it, again, if you look at just a macro perspective, right? If you look at television as a whole, if you look at our old television, roughly about $450 billion gets spent on television by all of us as consumers. Two things happen. $200 billion of subscription. That means we all pay to our cable channel or DTH platform, whatever it is, that money goes through the whole ecosystem. Second thing happens is $250 billion comes from advertising. This is the way the whole pay TV world is, which is the traditional world of how we all consume across the globe. Now, if you look at it macro perspective, I'm going to move that into the OTT world. Technically, assuming the content cost is the same and we want to really do maybe more content than we want to do, you need to find out how do $450 billion will be spent by the consumers again, for example. What we are seeing is a very similar example of what happened in television happening on the OTT space as well. If you look at it in 1960s, 50s, 60s, time frame, when NBC, ABC, CBS all started in the US, broadcasting is all free. Terrestrial broadcasting, free. You buy your television set and then put an antenna and then you can actually get content. That was the core of uh, what, what happened. The next step was HBO came along and said, you know what, we can produce premium content, movies without a break, ad break, and we'll do that. That was the second phase of what happened. We look at a lot of channels came in, which is primarily ESPN and others said, only through no advertising, only through subscription. Then a phase where people said, oh, no, 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 we cannot really sustain completely, but we do some advertising, some subscription, which is the model which kind of started really evolving over time. To look at the internet, started with YouTube. YouTube was fully free, free ad supported. Everybody wanted only advertising and then do that. Then there was a phase where we got Netflix and Prime and coming back saying, hey, and we can create from premium content, but you don't need to have any sort of uh, advertising on that. The third phase we are seeing, Suresh, is it's going to be a mix of both subscription advertising. It's not going to be one over the other. Because even today, we see a lot of consumers who are saying, okay, I don't know what the content is. I don't want to see premium content. We will always continue to pay. If I know that super duper movie that I want to watch, I want to watch without advertising, I'm ready to pay. But on a regular day and what I'm watching completely, I might not want to pay because I don't know what I'm going to take to. 
I will have a device like Fire TV and I will have certain apps which are ad supported and certain apps which are premium Absolutely. like Absolutely. Netflix and I choose to use whatever you I You choose to use whatever you want to continue to watch. So as a if you go back this is the base thesis is that there will be subscription there will be advertising both are options again this is a consumer choice in the end of it we cannot really control the consumer choice people are experimenting multiple things right today for example there is a platform called peacock in the us which is nbc's uh, peacock us they've experimented a model saying it's zero dollars lot of ads five dollars lesser ads ten dollars no ads for example as a model oh, okay <laughs> again it's just about <laughs> economic value to <laughs> actually a lot of things is now possible because streaming is anyway one to one correct absolutely and previously it's one to many right which only broadcasting now correct. it's correct. very personalized and absolutely. you know who you are streaming to and what he has paid for Absolutely. And you Absolutely. can customize it. Okay, that's really useful. And one last question before I switch gears in a little bit about asking the company. If in Chennai or other in Tamil Nadu, there is this popular learning site called LMES, Let's Make Engineering Simple. Correct. Have you heard about this? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. And it's a Tamil content, right? And they're really good and they're very, it's not premium, very good, high quality content. Correct. Correct. Okay, and people really love that content. Okay. And if they need to take their content to your platform, is that possible? It is definitely possible, Suresh. Again, today, but how much will it cost for them to do that? And what will the ROI they will get? See, again, depends on how they want to monetize it. Suresh. First is the question is, who is your audience? Which distribution platforms are they consuming content from? And what is your monetization model? At least in education, I wouldn't subscribe to an advertising model or maybe it should be advertising, which is more like embedded in the content to some extent, because you don't want disturbance in the break in the classroom. You don't want to do that technically, <laughs> right? And I don't think any of us would like to do that, right? So that's the way I would look to so look at it, uh, Suresh, fundamentally. Having said that, today, there are thousands of platforms through which people are consuming content. Obviously, there are social platforms which people are consuming. Then there are specific dedicated platforms. So telcos are building platforms today. And specifically in the US and European region, we're seeing this whole fast ecosystem evolving, which is a free ad supported model, where there's very, very good amount of platforms available through which people are today again. So I don't know if you've seen it in any Samsung TV or an LG TV that you're buying today, almost like a TV channel creation. So Samsung has something called Samsung TV Plus. Even in India, when you buy a television set today, when you press the button already, TV is working because it's already IP connected and all the channels are available. So to that extent, there is a lot more availability of access to consumers. This is our primary job, right? So in the US, people come and ask for consulting. They say, okay, this is my content. Where do I take it? Who are the consumers? For example, this guy is using our platform. Can they push, let's say, one slot for 30 minutes in, let's say, like one English channel, another 30 minutes in another channel? You can do that. There are content aggregators, Suresh. These are people who are saying, okay, can I work with a lot of smaller content providers? For example, again, this is sort of the bar we keep for people. Right? If you have less than 100 hours of content, then you go to a content aggregator, typically. You have greater than 100 hours and maybe every month you're doing 10 hours per month, new content, fresh content that you're creating. Then you can create your own channel. You can create your own live experiences. You can create. All where that. will the users access the channel? Typically in the US context of where we are today, for example, it's on a Roku box, for example, okay. or on a Fire Stick. Or on an IMDb TV, for example, is a big part of the equation, for example. If you're in a gaming, you go to Twitch, for example. So there are like 40, 50 platforms in the US alone where people are accessing content. If it's subscription-driven, just premium content, it goes to Sling TV, it goes to YouTube TV, 
than we do it on a TiVo box today, TiVo, for example. So there are many, many places where people are consuming content today. I know only Netflix. <laughs> yeah, the world is really, really large in terms of what where people are. It's kind of surprising for me as so personally as an individual. How much would it cost for you for someone to use your platform at an entry level? So this sort of platforms typically would cost you anywhere from two thousand to three thousand dollars a month that you can actually enable yourself to get into the platform. Then you build a lot more capabilities on top of it. This is to enable your content. And then when you are able to distribute my content through your network, I'll be able to pay you more for that. Depending on the number of viewership hours you pay on a, because there are content delivery network charges that come along. That's part of the fees that you pay, which is a usage-based model. It's not like a revenue share on the money that we make. We do it on advertising, but not on, because if it's not advertising, there's no revenue share fundamentally that we take into. It's basically like video telecast broadcasting. Correct. Uh, like how much people stream and okay so for example like i pay like a 15 dollars in india for netflix right right like how much does it cost for netflix to give me that 15 dollars okay there are two things Suresh. if you look at it any of these companies the largest cost is content because that's content and also streaming cost streaming has become uh, much more cheaper over time obviously it's working on the statistical model that all of us don't consume as much of content as a 15 dollars that we are spending assuming i will spend like on the average one hour every day let's say okay that's about 30 hours 30 hours is really really minuscule because 15 dollars is quite high this might cost them maybe less than a dollar the streaming cost is only one dollar or even less than Okay. Yeah, the biggest cost is really content, which is where they are all investing and spending more more money. Mm-hmm. Obviously, technology is needed. Obviously, streaming should be good because that's the only way we would experience it. Second is we want the search discovery and the recommendations to be good enough that we can actually bubble up the right content for all of us to watch. That is the core of these platforms. Sure. Super. So, but I want to sort of change gears and go back. Your company is more than a decade old, right? right. So tell us about the journey and I'm assuming you started somewhere and you sort of made tweaks and changes and pivots into your strategy eventually to become successful where we are, right? Where you guys see the audience of this podcast is mostly for other founders. Right, true. Right, and it's not going to go to general public in most. Right, so we're really looking at you know two thousand, three thousand founders who are going to watch this. So from that perspective, it will be very useful for them to understand the journey and what changes and has gone through in the company this last understood. Understood. Just to give you background, we are three co-founders. So I have Shrini, Vidya, and myself. So how did you meet? All of three of us were in GCD Coimbatore together. Okay, so pretty much. <laughs> so, I'm with the GCT mafia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of us are GCT. All of us in the same class, and then oh. went to the same company to work with this Texas Instruments. Uh, yeah. so we all went to the same company. To work. So, which year do you guys graduate? We all uh, 95. 95 batch. Right, right. 95 batch. So, we should be roughly the same age as me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So, post that, I think about 98, we started our first 98. I actually left TI and said, We're going to start our first company. So, we were about 24, 25 those days. Never knew what startup or, and I don't think there was a VC community or anything just kind of evolving. And we just started off. And then I think about 2000, we started our first company. So, 98, 99, we were kind of figuring out what to do. About 2000, we started a company called Impulse Soft, which was a wireless Bluetooth multimedia company. It was very early for its days. We were trying to build software to wirelessly stream music. Build Bluetooth watches and all of that. I think just about a 10 years ahead of its time. <laughs> so it didn't make sense. So we ran it over about five years. And uh, well, the technology was good. So we were able to license it to Panasonic, to 
Motorola to a whole slew of Logitech and others. So we sold that company to a US NASDAQ listed company. So December 2005. So we had sold a company. 2006-07, we kind of went through the transition with that company. How big is that exit? That was about $15 million exit. One five, but it was completely bootstrapped, self-funded. So fantastic! Yeah, two thousand five. You know, it's really good, right? So post that, obviously, we were kind of back in the road, saying, "Okay, figuring out what we want to do in life." So three of us, we are lifelong friends, and we kind of worked together. And Vidya, she's my wife as well, right now. So all the three of us started together. All of us are tech background, so we wanted to look at what can technology change. So let's go back to the drawing board and figure it out. So in about 2008 time frame, we started thinking about what's the next thing that we want to do. So we looked at media and broadcasting and looked like a very interesting domain. So also we wanted to build something out of India and for India. That's more of a patriotic passion that we had saying, hey, let's build something for the country here. So we started off with that mission. So clearly when we looked at, we said targeted advertising should happen. Why do we not make it targeted fully? That was the whole idea. But then we figured out in India, there was no internet, IPTV was not happening. So a lot of changes. So 2008-9, we kind of dabbled with, I think Airtel had its own IPTV, whole slew of things we tried. And we found out that the market is so small in the country, it didn't make sense. Then we said, okay, if you're going to do targeting, can we do it on the television set, broadcast television itself directly, where across different cable or DTH platforms, where we can actually start having different advertising in different cities. So we said, let's take geo-targeted advertising. So... In fact, we are watching a cricket match or any sort of episode you're watching nationally. Can you have different advertising in different cities? Chennai has a different ad. Bangalore has a different ad. Mumbai has a different ad. Punjab fully as a state has a different ad. You can kind of start segmenting the whole market. This idea kind of got a good resonance across the market. So everybody, advertisers loved it because they said... How how is it possible? It will be like client-side dish TV... Yeah, two aspects. This is pre-DTH days. We did it at the cable headaches first. So we had what's called cable headaches. What are these? Basically, how does television gets through the whole thing? Is through a satellite. The satellite beam from a TV channel. So if I'm a star or a ZTV, I have a satellite uplink station from where I'm uplinking the content goes to all the different operators across the country. Operators are the brands that we work with. It could be a Hathaway, it could be a Tata Sky, it could be Airtel, okay. any of them that you're working with. When it's downlinked into the head-in, what we call the control center in different cities, they get piped to our homes through a local cable wala who's kind of bringing that cable and then connect. This was, I'm talking about 2009-10 time frame. DDH was in its infancy in terms of what it was, right? So what we did was there was 20,000 such locations across the country. So we said we intersect the beam, satellite beam that's coming in and kind of do the changes at the local level. Then I would have got a complete localized infrastructure to do that. That was the thought process that we started off with. And so we looked at technology. Technology was too expensive or was not really suited for our country. So both was a big challenge. And so what we did is we started building the technology for all of this. So we built an interesting technology which will allow you to have satellite beams coming in. You can slice them and actually put an ad into the system. It was kind of great. So every advertisers loved this. They said, hey, this is beautiful. So we started off in Hyderabad and started off in multiple cities across the country. Which means the cable head needs to have your device. Yes, it started off with where we built our device and gave it to the cable. Obviously, we had to pay tax to the cable head actually. The next part was we actually embedded it in the satellite receivers itself. It's receivers that the channels used to provide to the cable. So we kind of understood that whole thing. So we got it and we used to manage everything through the satellite, completely control through satellite. So it was good technology. So, um, so there are two beams that are coming in, right? One beam is the content. Another beam is the ad. No, other beam is not an ad. Ads are getting trickled. It kind of goes through us like a data packets. 
think about like an IP data packets, but dumped into the box. So they are stored in the box. When the trigger signal comes saying switch, it will actually play from the box for that location. So like if you need to change the ad, how does the box get a new ad? Again, it will be trickled through. It's almost like a satellite trickle. We had like, let's say, I'm just talking about a 250 Mbps connection you will have through which we are addressing every box in the country, in India. We'll say, okay, so there was an addressing system that we created, almost like a geo-addressing system that we okay. created, where each of these boxes will consume what they want. It's almost like a broadcasting, but every box will decide what they want to consume. It's like a public subscribe kind of thing. like a public subscribe model, right? So that's where it's behind the spirit actually. But everything on the satellite, everything is satellite. And India was very unique in that sense, right? Because although we call it satellite, because there are power cuts in different parts of the country, monsoons, everything can change things. So we had to do it multiple times over, create redundancies and all of that to be done. Right? But it's interesting. So technology was fun. So we can actually build it. And actually, we had a lot of patterns in the space. And that. But the biggest challenge in this whole model was the business model itself. Business model is we went to this technology to all the TV channels. The TV channels said, oh, this is very interesting. But you know what? We've never done local advertising. So we don't know how to sell. We only sold it to Unilever and PNG and Glaxo, not to these smaller stuff. Then we said, okay, why not? We will go ahead and build it. So 2011, we started building our own sales teams. So we built about 100 plus sales teams across the country. Where how, we do you, how did you fund all these things? Okay, fortunately, obviously, we had first exit was at least gave us some money to kind of fund it ourselves. Yeah, right? initial yeah. stages. So that's that's the way we did it. The second part was we had an investor called NS Raghavan, co-founder of Infosys. They ran a fund called Nadatur Funds. Actually, Nadatur. They no longer invest, but uh, I think they were the absolute angels to some extent, right? So because I remember 2011, 12, pretty much they signed a check and pretty much they said, okay, you folks, we trust you, go ahead and do things. What do you want to do? So to that extent, I think it was a fairly, very, very interesting relationship that we, even today we have. So they had the... How much did they invest? First, they invested about 12 crores. Then they invested another 25. Total was 25 crores that we got investments from there. Oh, that's nice. And that's just not on a business plan. just about trust and people. Yeah. When I started my company, I had my ex-boss. He's exactly like this. But I didn't get 25 crores. I got like close to 2 crores something. <laughs> but every month, I'll go to him and say, his name is Aigon. And he used to be my ex boss in HP. I, right. I, I need another 10 lakhs this month. You know, he'll say, okay, 10 lakhs. Okay. <laughs> and like that, I didn't never realize he gave me like close to two crores and that's the foundation in which we built our company. So I can totally relate to it's an unconditional trust, right? Like no business plan. You just trust that we'll do it. <laughs> I, I, true, true, true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So that was the first investor in some sense. And obviously it was becoming expensive because we suddenly started building advertising space across the country. Then we got the channels. So channels said, okay, now no worry, you can buy an ad spot, then split it. So what we did was to go to a channel and actually buy an ad spot. So 30 second ad spot, it could, let's say it's thousand rupees. You go to uh, Bangalore and say, you know what, you can actually do only for Bangalore for let's say 200 rupees. Bangalore is happy. Oh, 200 rupees for a thousand rupees spot. I'm ready to pay. Now, if you do it across multiple parts of the country, then some of the parts becomes greater than the whole. That is the yeah. core of the model. Yeah. Probably actually be two, three times more. <laughs> yeah, this is a very attractive model on paper. <laughs> That's the reason I said Excel sheets work very well. So the reality was much more harder. Not that it worked eventually, but it was harder. The reason it is harder is people don't want to advertise at the same time. People had different creative combinations. I have 30 seconds. Somebody said, I only want to put a 15 seconder in one city, for example. Then it's almost like running a, uh, I think the closest we looked at, because we looked at tech papers to optimize all of this, right? It's like the multi-destination airlines. If you're running an airlines, you want to, from Chennai to Delhi, you'd say Chennai to Nagpur, Nagpur to Delhi or something like that you do, typically. Now you have to fill the seats to Chennai to Nagpur. Then you have to fill the seats from Chennai to Delhi. 
And so you try to do this. So we had to fill all these seats across multiple. I think about that problem, multi-dimensional problem, that we had to do it across more regions so that we can do it. And initially it was like hard because you don't have every city working. Then what what would happen is two cities work. Is it going to be loss making? Are you going to take that spot or not? It's a decision. If you don't take the spots, advertisers will run away. Mm. Now they'll think it's an unreliable platform. They don't care about your economics to start with. It's almost like akin to that air decken when two people come to a flight. Would you pick the flight or not? <laughs> if you cancel it, those two people will tell you a hundred things of why the flight is not going to work at all forever and you're going to lose it. At the same time, there's going to be a lot of losses you could take. Right? That's the same conundrum that I think we are going through and we're kind of burning a lot of cash in terms of trying to make this model work. Fortunately, the model started working fundamentally in terms of the stuff. But now what we found out is it is, yes, it is good, but all these advertisers were small advertisers. So they did not have TV creatives. So we went ahead and built studio to create creatives for them in a much more lower class. So we were trying to get deeper and deeper, making this market work to some extent. So we kind of went ahead and created a great thing. We have created about 1,000 plus creatives as a company, TV creatives per company across so many different advertisers. So that was the next step that we took. In about 2012-13 timeframe, the larger network started attracting. So instead of ZTV and Color said, hey, this is an interesting model. Can we work with you? Startup. So that was the first start of relationship that we thought would be interesting. As larger channels came in, we also figured out that big advertisers wanted to work with Amani. The reason is we didn't realize it initially and we started looking at it. Take a Unilever or a Wipro or Glaxo and all of them. They all have regional brands. They all have regional markets fundamentally. So they started really coming into the platform and said, we'll start using your platform. That in some sense was both good and bad for the company. Good was suddenly we were into hundreds of crores of revenue because it's like these people buy in bulk, right? So it's about tens of crores in a month we could actually start to really expand our marketplace. The bad news was we were cannibalizing the existing advertising budgets that was going to the national advertisers. So if I'm a channel, the channel sales teams were finding it very hard because we were competing against them in the same channel that they are selling, but at a much lower cost because it's more efficient for them to advertise on an Amagi infrastructure. This started the whole journey of what I think was the hardest problem. Was this frustrating for everybody because they started putting rules saying, okay, for this advertiser, this brand, if they buy national so much, you can buy geo-targeted so much. All possible combinations to constrain the budgetary aspect. The business model started really stuttering in terms of our ability to, on one side, we were paying them money. We were paying them more than 100 plus crores of ad revenue on one side. The other side, because we're buying national ad inventory in a minimum guarantee model. On the other side, we are kind of losing because we're not able to get the opportunities because the sales teams are saying, oh, I cannot help you here. I will not allow you to do this. So it was constrained, the whole model. Although the business was hundreds of crores, we had to really think about saying, okay, this is not a sustainable model in terms of how to build this whole thing. So at some point, we took this decision and went back and said, okay, this is not going to work in this context in terms of what it is. So we actually went back to all the channels and said, you know what, we approve the model. It works. We are a technology company. We'll go back to our roots. So take this technology, now you run it yourself because we don't want to get into this whole issue of ad sales, who does it, all of that. Because we believe the core model and the fundamental model works, now take it up and run it yourself. So that's the big pivot that we did in about 2016. Licensing the software instead of worrying about selling advertisements. Initially, we had to do it because nobody was selling. So nobody knew what it is. So we said, okay, now we've proven all of this. Now take this back. Now pay me a rev share rather than me paying you and then flip the model. That was the thing we did in 2016-17. That was the big change we did. Prior to that, already we had about 2015-16 timeframe, we had already started investing in technology for moving all the content from the cloud because we understood broadcasting. At least we started 
started learning about broadcasting better than and we also were software companies so we understood that virtualization is a trend which is going to hit broadcasting as well or the, all the whole media space we had started investing in really creating technologies which can actually drive some of these progress in some sense so that was a big change that we had already started doing so 2016-17 when we pivoted completely in terms of model the cloud model had started at least we had the base infrastructure in place in terms of technology and products so we could actually start launching it internationally that's a big change that we did Suresh <laughs> Fantastic. This is a phenomenal journey, actually. One of the things is, there are two words I wanted to say. One is conviction. Is the word like founder's journey. Like how much you're convinced about what you're doing and you go more and more putting all eggs in one basket like like you know you first build the technology then you did the <laughs> advertising then you put the video creativity because it's like you are more and more without giving up doing that but also changing the business along the way right. uh, and pivoting it right so that's really really phenomenal and hats up to you guys and one of the questions I have now is like let's switch gears and talk about like sales and marketing how do you sell what is the typical deal size how big is your sales team how do you compensate them. These are the questions that most of the founders will have, right? Understood. So, understood. Start with like, how big is your sales team and what is your typical day sales cycle and you know, how much is your average deal size kind of a stuff. Okay. okay. So, Suresh, we are a vertical SaaS. So, unlike a horizontal SaaS, all the numbers will be very different. Yeah. yeah the reason is because we are very focused on a particular domain, like media tech domain, right? So again, our sales For example, teams, we have podcasts from Zenoti. Right. That's also vertical SaaS for spa. Correct, correct. I know them. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So their numbers are pretty different than horizontal SaaS. Like, for example, like a fresh day Zoho or a Kisflow, we'll sell at $20 per user, right? Or $10 correct. per user. Correct. There it's like you start with 100,000 or 200,000, something like correct, that. Correct. Our average ARR is $250,000. Okay. Across customers. Across, across customers. And like you will have like, what would be a typical customer like NBC? These are, what are the, who will be right? Two or three class of customers. Right? There are customers like NBC and others who are in obviously millions of dollar ARRs. They're the bigger part of the customer service. Right. There are smaller customers. Typically anybody who wants to kind of start a TV channel or any sort of equivalent in our systems, they would spend minimum about $100,000. It's like the ARR that they have to start off with from an overall yearly standpoint. So, so there are multiple services. If I have a, a $10,000 a month, I can start a TV channel. Correct. And content is my problem. Content is your problem. Absolutely. What will I get for this $10,000? $10,000, you get all the distribution. I'm talking about a packaged stuff. You'll get distribution. You will get all the ad monetization pieces to place. You can create your own channels. You have scheduling systems, tools to build it. You can have analytics, monitoring, like, everything. So you have one channel or for $10,000, you'll get multiple channels. $10,000, typically you get about one channel. Or if it's a complex channel, or it could be, typically people do about one to two channels minimum, right? Else, else doesn't make sense. And you all go to multiple different delivery platforms where you're actually consuming content. And you That's take care of pushing this into Amazon Prime and all of that. We do it for a lot of the platforms ourselves. So that's part of what we do as a Maggie as well. When you say a lot of the platforms, can you name some of them? So there are 42 platforms in the US, for example, that we do, for example. It could be TiVo, Roku, Sling TV, YouTube TV, Hulu, could be IMDb TV, Amazon Prime, Apple TV. You can kind of choose, right? We push it to all these platforms, right? Across. Okay. And we don't need to deal with them or we don't need to deal with those? You deal from a business standpoint, the content owner deals with the distributor. All the technology elements is what a Maggie handles. Today. Okay, okay. So we still have to <laughs> work with like Apple TV or Prime and then figure out a revenue sharing model, all of that. Correct. Is there anything that you guys help in that space? <clears throat> Reaching out to their teams and all of we that? We do, absolutely. We do that, right? Because most of it, the ecosystem is very together, right? For example, take a Roku or a Samsung and all of that we deliver. If a content owner goes to Roku and say, hey, I want to distribute content to you, they will say, hey, go to Amagi. Amagi is your tech partner. They're already pre-certified. They can provide you all of this. 
it's a word of mouth also suresh and coming back to the next aspect of sales if you look at it a lot of things has been through word of mouth in terms of customers knowing and it's a two sided market so more and more content creators come to us more and more power on the platforms that we are able to deliver for example on the roku platform today all the linear channels that we have 60% of all the channels are amagi driven right so amagi is the largest number of channels that we deliver today that is kind of creating a positive cyclic effect then whenever somebody goes to roku they'll say amagi is the premium partner go to them and they'll do it so how big is your sales team our sales team is about 16 people one six today technically and what do they really do from a selling side other than giving the pricing information and no, no. i i think that will be like you know that there is a good amount of selling to be done right only thing is inbound is higher in terms of number of things coming in yeah. second is expansion is higher there is a customer will start with maybe one channel then go to maybe multiple channels number one they want to go to multiple delivery points their viewership increases so and so more advertising happens so everything is like a land and expand which is very very high for example our net retention is about 175% And, like, and they're all inside sales teams. The sixteen people, or they are feet. No, no, no. These are all on the field. I'm talking about. There is an inside sales here, which is very small. Again, about six people here that we have. How big is your company? Company is about four hundred and twenty people right now. And bulk of them are in tech or a lot of tech. And yes, tech is the biggest thing. Then followed by customer success, which is all the operational elements. Yeah. And then sales is a much smaller house today. Obviously, rapidly expanding, but clearly that's a big space for growth for us as a company. Okay. We are underinvested. Just to give you, our LTV to CAC is thirty-seven and a half. So LTV, the lifetime value divided yeah. by CAC, LTV to CAC ratio. You know, horizontal size would be about four times or six yeah. times somewhere in there, right? Ours is thirty-seven and a half. <laughs> so numbers are like obscene numbers. And the reason why it's high is because of the underinvestment in sales too. Because our lifetime value is so high when compared to the CAC. Because these are all three-year contracts. It's kind of churn is extremely. It's less than two percent churn, right? So churns also are lower, right? So sure. those are the dynamics of the market. I wouldn't call it. It's anything to do with Amagi as a company, as much as the market and how it performs, right? So that's the way it is from an horizontal SaaS standpoint. How big is the company now? Is that if it's public? And I also see we have gone through a lot of funding cycles. Also talk about that if you can. Yeah. So we are close to a hundred million ARR, maybe about two quarters away. Is what I would tell you in terms of numbers we are in. And how is in SaaS there are some sort of standard multiples, right? Like similarly in your industry, is it the same things that apply here? Or uh... we are seeing the same sort of because it's a see again quality of the revenue matters. Suresh, you are well aware of it from an ARR standpoint. Is really about the quality of revenue. This business, interestingly, is very very high quality revenue. The reason is because it's premium content creators. Churn is much lesser. Expansion revenue is very high. So all of that and high gross margin, more business. premium than SaaS, right? It will be more premium than SaaS on two counts. Right? One is we have a usage-based model and a fixed model. Fixed model gives no, you the base. Not just that. Like for example, if somebody can move from one CRM to another CRM reasonably easily because you export and import and you know sort of. Although you would like to not move it, but it's not easy to move from like if I have a content I've integrated with all the distribution channels. Yeah, it's very difficult for me to move out of Amagi. So Absolutely. unless like my, my company itself is not. doing well churn is related to my company like my channel not doing well and i'm making loss and i like right that means the stickiness around this and the recurring nature of the revenue correct. is extremely strong so correct correct that's the dynamics of the market suresh because it is see the media business is both hard to get in and hard to get out for anybody because of the content we have hundreds of thousands of hours of content coming from customers into our platform now just taking the content back itself is a big challenge in terms of going through that process setting up your whole infrastructure and then starting off again getting your distribution done it is a big nightmare right unless you screw up badly people would like to stay yeah, with that's what i would say yeah so one one badly nothing <laughs> and yeah. these sales people are in which countries 
Which one? Sales people. Sales people. US is our biggest market. Now. It's about 75% of all our revenues come from the US. And they are in Hollywood, those kind of areas. Yeah, LA and New York are our key locations where obviously all the different media companies are fundamentally there. Obviously, COVID has also taught us that everything is remote. <laughs> so to that extent, it happens where then most of them were able to do deals sitting at home. So that's what's happening. But we have now expanded into Canada. We've just started in LATAM. Asia, obviously, we've launched Asia because Asia was very small for us. Now it's become starting to grow. Western Europe, London was our biggest and maybe the oldest setup that we had there. But 20% of our revenues come from the EMEA region for us. That is growing. France and Germany becoming important uh, regions. And one thing is, I was doing some research and I saw 100 million secondary on, on Series D or something like that. Right. I was just wondering, you know, given this background of the company, why would somebody do that secondary at this point in time and exit the company, right? So, Two aspects, Suresh. Again, if you look at it... Also, then, tell us in this context, your funding journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, as I told you, first of After NS. Yeah, and that we raised about 25 crores. Then again, obviously, we ran out of cash fast enough. So Mayfield Ventures, again, they came in in about 2013 time. Frame. This is all I'm talking about, the old business model that they were actually working with. So we raised about five, $7 million from them. Who is Mayfield actually I had a friend in Mayfield Vikram Godse was our board member good friend as well so, so he was there actually and so they came in pretty early at least from the company journey standpoint so about 2015 time frame we had Premji Invest investing so they invested close to about 20 million dollars in the company and then we had Emerald Media Emerald Media is a KKR fund run by a gentleman called Rajesh Kamath. He used to be the CEO of Colors before. Yes. So again, from a media background in India, which was important for us because we wanted the relationships in the India ad tech business that we were running. So we are kind of starting to look at that. Okay. But what we realized is that although we started off with that whole thing, then on the verge of coming in is when we realized that this is not the model we want to go after. <laughs> I think for the company, we had raised about $40 million by then. And now we were kind of changing the whole complexion of what we wanted to do. Right? That was kind of a very harrowing time for everybody because all the investor thesis was fundamentally on the India business model. And here we are saying, no, no, we're going to be completely a SaaS model, media tech. Obviously, SaaS starts... understand and agree to this? Or... Which one? Sorry? How did the investors take it? It was hard for everybody at that point of time because it was obviously a big change and their thesis with their ICs, everything changed literally. That sense. But fortunately, all of them were very cooperative. They said, hey, what's right for the company? Let's go ahead and do it. To that extent, I think they were very comfortable doing that. So in this journey, if you look at it, coming back to your question and why they did the exit was fundamentally because the company was at a growth path where they were clear that we needed investors who understand the SaaS ecosystem and be able to evolve it, grow it, and then do that, right? So we had also talked to our board saying, hey, we need to look at investors who can kind of bring that sort of capability. By that time frame, both funds, both KKR, Emerald Fund was on its sunset because they were kind of closing down the fund themselves. And we had Mayfield, which had already spent seven years in the company. So they said, hey, my fund is over. So I have to really return back the money to somebody. So why don't you folks really give us some sort of an exit? So it matched all of our aspirations because they wanted to exit because they had fun timelines. We wanted new investors who understand the SaaS ecosystem can kind of, and kind of help the company scale to that extent. So sort of made sense for all of us, right? And Axel also. In the Correct. Case. Axel is kind of the key investors that we brought in. Norwest was another one and Avatar Ventures. And Avatar is, who is in Avatar? That is Nishant and Mohan. Mohan is the previous Norwest. Right? Yes, correct. previous Norwest. Person. Norwest. And Axel, who in Axel? Shaker? Axel is Shaker Kirani. Yeah, Shaker, okay. Shaker and Mohan are very good friends. Okay. <laughs> true, true, true. Interesting. Oh, the world is pretty small. Does this business require marketing at all? Because like in most of the SaaS, like if you really look at Kissflow, for example, we are Correct. heavily into digital marketing and we generate a lot of leads, inbound inquiries. And, and then it goes on to our sales. How does it work Correct. in our business? 
this is again obviously needs marketing fresh for sure right in terms of because key challenge here is not about see again this dynamics is slightly different it's not about lot of competition here in this business model right key thing is as a new entrant again if you look at our competition competition comes in two counts one are traditional hardware gear companies which used to maybe work with the media companies for the last 25 years so they have relationships they have a proven track record to some extent with the company we are a new age cloud first everything is software company then it becomes harder for people to take decisions if from a traditional large technology company a media company i want to take decisions to move to the cloud it's not an easy decision so their marketing helps a lot in terms of building the credibility as a trusted brand because this is mission critical software so unlike a software which i can say okay i want to change things i can change this is like in the heart of their operations fundamentally typically the liabilities in terms of the content is so high for them hundreds of millions of dollars of content is actually has to be sitting in that's number one number two my whole operations depend on amagi if something crashes or dumps for example our slas have to be four nines right 99.99 is a minimum <laughs> it goes to 99.999% is is what we need for the larger enterprises for example now customers are asking me 69999999 right so the liabilities are extremely an important and you run on your own data centers or you use amazon cloud everything right? is on a public cloud infrastructure we use amazon and google but largely it's kind of amazon today right why use google also no we are on google i'm just trying to understand no no two things right as a company if you look at it we need to start kind of broad basing from a cloud infrastructure standpoint so we've taken a multi cloud strategy so that's an important aspect for our customers as well who want to have the sort of reliabilities and redundancies that we need to look at so that's the choices interesting very very different the podcast this one i think it's very unlike any other podcast i have done and in fact meaning it doesn't look like you know i am doing this for other people i'm just trying to learn myself <laughs> through this conversation what this business is all about and it's very very interesting actually and you guys are in bangalore right we are in bangalore yes yeah r and d is out of bangalore okay and then then obviously offices across all the standard sales offices across the globe right and where are you headed with this what's your future vision and where is the company headed i think sarish we are in a very early phase of the transformation again as all of us know this decade is yes, you, you are saying we are early <laughs> stage of the transformation no until the market is happening right now it's, it's not about whether, as an entrepreneur the one big learning that i've had is we are all children of the market not about our competencies or any of those right end of it markets happen we look all look good if markets don't happen doesn't matter who we are <laughs> so i think the market is happening right now in fact we kind of pretty doubly energized in terms of trying to profitable now or is it still we've uh, been profitable for the last 2 years a bit of profitable as come because again as i told you we have been investing sales costs lesser <laughs> everything is lesser right so to that extent the company was a bit of profitable and continues to be profitable right so that's part of again when i look at horizontal saas and i'm saying okay <laughs> we are in a kind of a more saner place to some extent in terms of what it is but obviously i think there's a lot more growth in front of so us yeah horizontal saas people we look at e-commerce companies and then think okay we are way better <laughs> than better absolutely <laughs> e-commerce companies and you look at us and then say you know what we are way better than our <laughs> you have a lesson here <laughs> meaning 37x cac to ltv is crazy meaning, again i don't think it's sustainable over time obviously will yeah. it, it i think 10 to 15 is where i think we will end with at least that's the way we are modeling for a, because if you're hundreds of millions of dollars or close to 300 400 million dollars then that's what's the range i think where we will end with 
right it won't be at this time it's a very uh, very nice because you know with 300 400 people getting to 100 million right because i think like freshworks is probably 300 plus million now and right. they have like 4 3000 or 4000 people right that's quite high right. so the per employee revenue contention is very low there when right. compared to your company of course you know freshworks of course is doing pretty well there's Absolutely. no correct correct you know? no again the dynamics of the business as well again more than anything else for example we do track per employee productivity as things for me the golden ratio is to get it to 250k per employee we are at about 150 to 180 depending on how we do that hiring and what the growth that we see we want to kind of really move it up to 250k per employee sort of a range in terms of what we want to do again this is also some sort of a deep tech ratio because it's not like yeah. a regular technology because it's video Tech, complex yeah. set of things to be done right so we also have encryption encoding that is yeah a lot of things right it's very compute intensive video and cloud are a very potent combination both it's interesting for engineers hassling to run a business on that <laughs> so in terms of complexities in terms of uptime that we need in terms of latencies in terms of performances everything has to be really top notch and this is the company is heading towards an ipo kind of a strategy yeah in the next 24 months is what we're targeting to do that obviously i think quite comfortable where we are situation in terms of it's not about financing as much as really be able to it's like a india headquartered or us headquartered we are india headquartered so that's one of the things we've been kind of exploring whether we should flip not flip i think there's a board conversation yeah, I mean, so much years flipping will be very difficult it right? is a challenge absolutely a challenge <laughs> that's going to be kind of been going through all the consultants i heard the india stock market is very very equally bullish like nasdaq it is but again more than that i think one is obviously maybe there's an euphoria in the market for sure <laughs> today we are all seeing that yeah yeah right <laughs> The question is fundamentals of the technology, fundamentals of the market itself. Again, I think US gets it because of the depth of yeah, technology companies which have listed there and all of that. Again, I don't think we will have a choice as much. <laughs> we'll have to figure it out how it's going to play out. But it looks like Indian companies are also now allowed to list in Nasdaq and others. That's one of the. But again, nobody's tried it. So again, we're going through all this thought process. Right? I don't think we have an answer to it, but <laughs> we'll have to figure it out. Indian companies are allowed to list Nasdaq. You don't need to go through the ADR route. Yeah. Correct. So, All right. I think with that note, we are coming to uh, an end of this fantastic session. Thank you, Basker, and wish you and your founding team, plus the entire you know team, Amagi, a phenomenal success and growth for the coming years. I just learned a ton of stuff. You know, a really, really wonderful talking to you. Thank you, Basker. Thank you. Thank you, Suresh. Thank you very much. Hi, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback to hello at sasbumi.com. You can access this and all other episodes of Sasbumi's podcast at www.sasbumi.com. Sasbumi is spelled as s a a s b o o m i.com. sasbumi.com there is no h there. Until next time, this is Suresh signing off from you. Bye bye.